Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturgis. Welcome everybody. If you are here for the first time, we are supposedly doing a series, and we are, called At the Movies. It's a summer series, and it's um, meant to be an occasion where you can invite your friends to sort of entice them and say, hey, we're talking about things that show up in the theater and how they affect our life, and perhaps that's a little a tool you can use to get them to come along with you and experience and encounter and worship. Uh, This Sunday, we're looking at a movie that came out uh, last year. Last week, we looked at a movie that was celebrating its 20th anniversary. Uh, This particular movie, uh, the first version of it was made over 20 years ago, and the latest one in 2017 involves um, some, some obviously, some more recent stars, and, and it's called Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And it came out last year, and I watched it this past week and the week before. I laughed so hard. And there's some obvious lines in it that speak to where we are right now. Now, remember, here's what the thing is. <clears throat> we don't advocate every answer that a film gives. It doesn't, most often, it doesn't give the right answer. But they do ask the right questions. They do ask the right questions. We just come up with the wrong answer. By the way, everyone listen. Asking questions and getting the wrong answer started in the Garden of Eden. So it's no... It's no surprise that that's what continually happens in culture, culture, all right, around us. So we're looking at this morning, and I'm going to do something different because I've confessed to you that I can't escape from this whole thing of, that we've been studying now for months, spirit, time, and transformation. I just can't shake it. And so admittedly, I'm seeing it everywhere, and admittedly, um, rather than push aside this series... I looked for movies that speak to what it is that I think God may be saying to us. Now, there's six or seven clips here, and we're gonna, I'm going to do it in a different fashion. It's about 10 minutes of sort of silliness. This is titled, if you look it up, uh, it's titled A Fantasy Action Thing. It's about, uh, the, the premise is that four students, uh, four teenagers, Spencer the Geek, Fridge Anthony. Fridge is the jock, cool football player. Spencer is uncool, skinny guy, sort of typical typecasting here. Then you have Bethany, who is the cool, pretty high school girl and doesn't think too deeply about life. Again, whether these are or typical stereotypes or not. Hollywood seized on it. Uh, I didn't. And then there is uh, Martha. Martha is much like Spencer. She's brilliant, and she's a geek and very uncool. These four students, Spencer, Fridge, uh, Bethany, and Martha, get sort of sucked into this video game, into a virtual reality. Now, for those of you that have spent any time around here, you know that statement is a big one for me. You've heard it for 15 or 16 years, because that's what I believe sin is. Sin is a virtual reality. It invites you to come live an existence that cannot be sustained, okay? Which, by the way, for if you want a sidebar thought, for those of you that have dealt with or are dealing with a loved one who may be caught up in some form of addiction, there's no greater uh, model or expression of that particular point of captivation than drugs, drug abuse and substance abuse. And here's why. Because it makes the promise of being able to create a reality that cannot be sustained any longer than the chemistry can be held in your body. 
because it wears off in two hours, four hours, eight hours, whatever, it's going to wear off. God continually calls humanity to the reality, which the Bible speaks of as truth, okay? Now, so as we come to this this morning, by the way, did everybody receive the hand, a handout already? I've done this three weeks in a row. If you didn't, I think we have some real speedy uh, ushers that will serve you. If you didn't, raise your hand real quick and somebody will get to you. Have somebody write down. How did you miss getting one, Kathy? The, um, <clears throat> all right. And, and this lady on the front right here that's um, been standing up here talking, I think she must have come late or something. Yeah, right to your right. Okay, we good? I think we got it. She, she got one, Miss Sally. Thank you. Um, okay, so the, they get sort of uh, sucked into this video game. What I'm going to do is run these clips pretty quickly. Uh, the, previously, for five or six years now that we've done this, I'll, I'll just play a clip and then ex- sort of extrapolate the principle from it. But I'm not going to do that today. I want to run them all because I want to get to one particular point the first one is sort of an overview intro of Meet the Characters. Now, Amanda, even if I talk, just go ahead and run them. I'll talk if you'll give me about maybe five seconds. I mean literally a count of five, and then you start running the next one, even if it's over the top of what I'm saying, because we need to, we need to get this done, because I have some stuff that we, I really feel we need to give our attention to pointedly and have the time to do that, okay? Now, before this even starts, everyone look this way. Father, I love you and praise you. I bless your name. And I pray today, as I prayed early this morning, Lord, as deeply as this is resonating in my heart at this point in my life as a shepherd, I don't know that I understand the timing of all of that, but I do know the whisper of your voice. I do know the nudge of your hand. I do know the sense of your presence that intensifies a moment for your purposes so that you might be glorified in the hearts of your people. And that is, see, God knows what glorified means. I don't need to interpret it in this prayer. How many know that? Okay, good, he does. But Father, that's one of those words we've lost. And glory means the essence of something. And what that means is so that the essence of God can begin to shine through us and overtake and vanquish any other thing that would give us a sense of meaning. That's what we pray for in these days. We pray for a sense of renewal, for transformation, and that New Hope Church would be a place where God's opinion matters most. I love you, and I praise you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amanda, roll that if you would. Now, if you would take your hand out and hand. I want to pick up right off the back of that. It's, uh, it's an interesting movie that advances uh, many, many different concepts, um, m- many of which are not supported, if you will, by Scripture in terms of understanding the fullness of life. But that's another story and another examination. I told you when looking at any movie, uh, you're going to see three things that we study here for many, many years. And that is, in the opening chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, and for all of you that have heard this a thousand times, I ask your indulgence for the benefit of someone who might be here the first time. The identification of every human problem is wrapped up in three words. When God comes to walk with them in the cool of the day and mankind, Adam and Eve, have partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they're hiding from God now. Sin has entered, Romans 5 tells us. And God says, what's going on? Where are you? Oh, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Watch this. 
Because we were deceived, we were afraid, and then we hid. Those three words describe the fundamental of every problem, uh, the fundamentals of every problem you and I experience. Deception, fear, and hiding. They're in every movie. A person is deceived about something. Some point of truth is hidden from them that they can't see. Or they believe something about themselves that is not true. And because of that, things begin to happen. Now, I want to briefly return to where we ended up last week. Not from this movie, but from a different one. And they ask this question. What voice are you listening to? Look at the outline with me, please. I am really praying you take this home. That you keep it someplace where you can look at it. I don't know why this has been impressed on me so much for these three weeks, but that you, you look at this more than just today. I encourage you. My email is tom at newhopeonline.com. It's easy. Tom at newhopeonline. If you have questions about anything in this, you email me and I will write you back because it's a good opportunity. If I haven't already written something about it, it's a good opportunity for me to take the time, and it's a great exercise. I love interfacing with this stuff as often as I can. So please write me, tom at newhopeonline.com. Now, last week, here's where we ended up. You can go and listen to it on the podcast, that in John chapter 4, God, and I said, why John chapter 4, and then first John chapter 3 is important. We established that. But notice the two times that the gospel writer uses the phrase greater than. Once is in John chapter 4, which is the only, only narrative in Scripture where God in the flesh tells us what worship is. That's a critical, critical point of understanding. And at one point, this woman looks at him and says, you're not greater, uh, verse 12, than our father Jacob, are you? Now, the poetic big picture here are the voices of our fathers, or for us, listen, the voices of our past. Now, once you examine this story and dig into the characters, which I did a little bit last week, but this, this chapter of Scripture I have probably taught on more in the last 30 years than any chapter in the Bible for the reason I already stated It's the only place where God in the flesh tells us what worship is. And worship is how we get back to God. Worship is how we continue to grow in God. All right? Enough said. But you're not greater than the voices of our fathers. Now, 35 years after this event, the same gospel writer would write letters to the churches in 1 John chapter 3. The next verse, the next verses right there are this. And we will know this. That we are of the truth. That word means unhidden, aletheia, to unhide. And will assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. We ended up by saying, listen, when the voices of my past have been so effective in their work that they now have become the voice of my own heart. Things said back here are now so firmly imprinted on my life that each day as I stand in the mirror, and and of course the mirror is a term that we've been studying here used in 2 Corinthians 3. But I mean literally, as you stand in front of the mirror every day and brush your teeth or shave or put on your makeup or whatever, uh, whatever it is that you do, as you look at that person in the mirror, so often the voice of my own heart is so firmly, it's so there. I don't need another voice. 
We don't need another voice. It's the voice of my own heart condemning me. And God says, I want you to know that I am greater than the voices of your father, but I'm greater than when the voices of your past have so firmly done their job, they've become your own voice and your own life, that God is greater than that. And it says, God is greater than your heart, even when your heart. Now see, heart is emotions, thought, and will. All right? Now, so at the bottom of the page, would you read that with me? The bottom of page one. When I've heard opinions long enough that they become the opinion of my own heart. Oh my goodness. Okay? Now, if you want to hear more about that, go to last week's podcast, page two. We ended up extemporaneously, okay, on the fly. This wasn't included because it was just a, a Holy Spirit prompting. Psalm 62. Read the whole psalm, but in particular, watch the language. And where we ended up was, you need to say to you, there comes a point, you see the word soul in verse 5? Second word, my soul. By the way, if I just noticed this this morning, that I would use a Pastor Steve colloquialism that I hear so often when he examines life and he begins to think. And it comes out like this. My, 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 my. If I've heard him say, my, 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 my. Now that can be either good, bad, or whatever. But it's when he's pondering the reality of something that just sort of fills him with wonder. Either, in other words, um, why did that person just step off the curb in front of that dump truck and get squashed? My, 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 my. Okay? Or if there's something that's too good to be true. He was, my, 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 my. He said, that's, a, that's an Alabama thing, I'm guessing. It's certainly a southern thing. So I was going to entitle this the Psalm of Pastor Steve. Because eight times, my, 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 my. And I circled them for you. Okay? Okay? So here we go. My soul, wait in silence. That's, not a, that's a command, not a description. There comes a time when that voice of condemnation, when you will rise up and in this closing scene in this movie, what voice will you listen to? Now, it's where all this opinion stuff, if you've been here for the last several weeks, with the use of opinion, and we're going to wrap that up with that here in just a moment. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock, not Dwayne Johnson. You, you'll get that from the movie, okay? He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory, my, my essence. Whew. Rest. This is a sermon, the eight times that my is used here. For the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. And watch this now. I had never seen this before this morning as I was just praying over it and refreshing myself. Oh, people, pour, look at these words. Look at these, please. Pour out your heart of condemnation that tells you something other than God's opinion before him. No, look at the base. I inserted a bunch of stuff. Pour out your heart before him. Even when your heart condemns you. Oh my goodness, I had never thought of it in that light. But I want us to get it because the eight my's that are used there, that my heart, my soul is saying things to me. And I'm telling my soul, be silent. You listen. God's opinion is the final opinion that matters. I need to know what God's opinion is. 
So I'm going to pour out. I'm going to empty. Please get that. I'm going to empty the voice of my heart and I'm going to fill that container with the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, can somebody say praise God or I'm going to do that or look at the person next to you and holler, boy, you need to do that for sure. Okay. You don't have to do that part. All right. Now telling the voice of my own soul to shut up. Forgive me for using a, a word that I would have gotten my mouth washed out with soap for when I was small. And my mother would have been arrested for that today if uh, she would have done that. But um, perhaps I would have turned out differently. I don't know. Maybe it had a bad effect, Mom. Um, But telling the voice of my own soul to shut up because there is only one voice that matters. Now listen, we're about to making God's opinion matter most. Last week or the week before I... I sang the verse of a song I'd written called Mercy Speaks. And you're gonna, we're going to reread the definition of mercy on the next page. But look this way. It says, my failures had spoken, judgment complete. What I had done is what I would be. Yesterday's voices saying I am to blame. But they're suddenly silenced as mercy calls my name. Here judgment won't triumph at the sound of his voice reversing the echo of my heart, the final decree for here, mercy speaks. Now, I realize that what I've printed on this next page is an absolute violation of everything that I've pledged I would and would not do. But I, I literally don't know what else to do. If you want to hear, if you're here for the first time, and in every line of this, you're going to see the word opinion, and you're going to, and by the way, if you're visiting and you're a pastor teacher, and you think that I have taken some cultural filter that has softened the edge of God's word and removed the significance of the terms, whether it's eleo, homologeo, aletheia, whether it is whatever of these terms, but I can assure you, please, as a matter of fact, if you are a pastor teacher visiting, and we get that a lot here because this is a place where people uh, take time away, if you'll email me, Tom at New Hope Online, I will be glad to send you the biblical, linguistic, and theological background for these conclusions. I used to teach all of those, and then people would, would stare at me like, dude, seriously? Okay, so here's here's... The adaptations. Look this way. And here is a most serious prayer. Father, I understand that the treasure of your presence is contained in an earthen vessel. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 7, by the way. And our ability to perceive certain things is limited by the vessel. That is our mind, our heart, our physical condition, the environment. Lord, you know, as I talk to you, none of this has been written here to to impress a soul. I pray that whatever your intentions and whatever you and I shared together this morning would be translated as we just read through these. May you penetrate the hearts of people beyond the limitations of conceptualization or even our mind. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that. Now, I'm going to tell you again, if there's anything here that you would like to know about, Email me. Please email me. Okay? Now, this is the opinion journal. Mercy. 
God refusing to join me in my opinion of me above his opinion of me. Please, if you've ever accepted, I don't ever ask you to accept my word. That's why I teach you and go into such great detail. That definition is from God's word. Okay? All, my, all I'm doing is sort of asking for a sort of mild C.S. Lewis, if you will, uh, anointing to, to reframe it in ways that it may grab our attention in a fresh fashion. Confession. The point at which I embrace God's opinion of me above my opinion of me. Now, we sing a song, even when I don't see you working. God, I know you're working. Mercy exists out there, whether we take advantage of it or not. Mercy is God's forgiveness. I don't know a better word to use. I'm so sorry. Uh, when I say in a static state. Mercy, how about this? Mercy is a can of God's forgiveness that is yet opened. Confession is how I open it. Everybody get that? That's where it starts. When, I, when God says, listen, through my death on the cross, I have forgiven mankind of their sin and I've paid for it. But that's, not a, that's a can of truth sitting on the shelf of human and spiritual possibilities. But the only way I access that is the moment at which I say, Father, I accept your opinion of my current state of existence, which is one of sin. We're going to look at that in a moment. And I embrace you as my Lord and Savior. God says, great, here, just take of it, and it's yours. Now, let's keep going. Sin, I mentioned that. Finding my identity anywhere in anything other than God's opinion of me. I'm telling you, this is a, this is a, a sound Theological, I, I know, see, for all of us that may have grown up in church and you've heard this, well, well, you're just trying to soften the edge of sin. I am absolutely not. If anything, I'm casting a much broader net because the kind of churches that I grew up in, we had a very narrow list of what was sin or at least a stratifying of, well, this is more than that and this is that. And God said, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. An unforgiving, because I grew up in unforgiving, bitter racist, often racist environments all the time preaching to other people about the sin they were in and, and it didn't, it didn't resound, resound with me then or resonate and still doesn't. All right, enough about that. Judgment. Judgment. Now, I'm not talking about our judgment. I'm talking about judgment that falls on us. Okay? God allowing me the choice of living in my opinion of me above his opinion of me. Father, make this resonate. See, we think God's judgment on us is something God says he's waiting to do to us. Judgment is simply the result of not responding to God's word. That is God's opinion, God, to, to God's love, to, to that unopened can. You got that? Okay, Th there we go. Let's keep going. Temptation. Now, this will be a newer one for if you're here. When an, uh, when an opinion other than God's opinion is presented for my consideration. You'll say, that's not temptation. Temptation is when, um, you know, I look at things. Or do, okay, let's go up to sin. Okay? Finding my identity anywhere and anything other than God's opinion of me and what life is. Okay? Men, when your eyes want to go someplace they shouldn't go or to a website they shouldn't go to, that's a temptation. That is when, watch it, okay? 
When an opinion other than God's, in other words, that something, some need inside you can be met by that thing that is counter to God's opinion. Everybody get that? Do you, do you understand? As a matter of fact, I said to myself, I wasn't going to teach on this. When Jesus is tempted, I will come back to this. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, he's offered three opinions from the mouth of the adversary that are counter to God's opinion. Go home and read them. And it's where deception starts. The evil one is a deceiver. Jesus would say that in John chapter 8. If deception is happening, it's from hell. You can say amen right there. Okay? Now, deception then is the point at which I begin to listen to and entertain an opinion other than God's. Think of that in the Garden of Eden. Think about what happens in your life. Think about that person that says, you know, you, you, you're just sorry, no good. You've always been that way. You know, what you did here and what, and you begin to listen to that opinion when God says, no, I've forgiven you for that. I've released for that. You've confessed. You've, you've invited my opinion of that and confessed that what you did there indeed was sin, even if it harmed lives or whatever. And, 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 and you're walking a path from that is not your identity right now. Everybody got that? Okay. Listen, fear, the state of mind created by an opinion of me or life, by opinion of me other than God's. Please hear me. Does it, Lord, help that to sink in. I need to teach on every one of these. I got that. This needs to be a 12-week series, and it may be. But you go look for where Phobos appears in the New Testament, where fear appears throughout Scripture. Hans, check that. Go look at that. And you're going to find where you examine scripture, that fear is the state of mind created by an opinion of me other than God's. Well, I guess, and it starts in the Garden of Eden. I guess God really didn't have that plan for me that his word says he had. Okay? Hiding. The effect of embracing an opinion other than God's. It always happens after fear. Two things happened in the Garden of Eden. They hid from each other, and they hid from God. That describes the human condition at some greater or lesser extent. Here's a new one for those of us, an adaptation of the word parakaleo. Encouragement, when I speak God's opinion above my opinion of me. Listen, whether that's to myself in the Old Testament, it said David got before, called the priest and said, come and talk to me about the word of God. And it said he encouraged himself in the word. Encouragement is speaking the opinion of God, even when you're encouraging yourself. You know that mirror in the morning? See, I'm not talking about self-help. I can, I can, I think I can. I'm talking about invoking the power of the Holy Spirit to write the word of God on my heart. When I stand up and say, Father, you, my soul will be silent. You alone are my rock of sure footing, my refuge I run to. You are my strength. No other opinion matters for many more. Any other opinion that my condemning heart, self-condemning heart, I pour out my heart before you and I want to fill it with your conduct, with your word. Write that on my heart this morning in the name. Write that on my heart today. But it's the same of another person. When you see a brother or a sister that's listening and acting out uh, those opinions and 
reflections of the past. And you step up and you say, that is not God's opinion of you. And you're continuing to act in that and walk that out. You're listening to the wrong opinion. You need to confess right now. Oh, that's judgmental. No, I'm trying to set you free from judgment. As a matter of fact, the fact is you're walking in judgment because God's letting you walk in your choice to choose your opinion above his. It's time you put your opinion on your se- on the shelf. It's time you poured out your opinion and asked God to fill your heart with his opinion. That's what I'm trying to get because only one opinion matters. Okay, here's two that aren't on your list that after I had your outline sent, I printed two more in rewriting them. And for all of you who remember pushback, you'll get this grace then, all right? Is the power of God's opinion unleashed in my life? Oh my goodness. That will withstand charis. The 183 times that word appears in the New Testament. And it is a unique word describing the work of the Holy Spirit. By the way, do you know there's of, of the time, everyone look this way, for those of us who are Pentecostal, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, there's only one time that the, the phrase spiritual gift is actually that in the Greek. Every other time, it's charisma. That's transliterated. Just hang with me here. I know you never get away without a language lesson here. C-H-R-A, excuse C-H-A-R-I-S, charis, is the word for grace. When you add an M-A, like charisma magazine, or, hey, you have charisma. That's not, you know, we say you have charisma. That means you have sizzle, whatever. It is that Greek word that's transliterated identical, charisma, but it's charisma. Listen, please listen. Linguists will say the M-A, ma, is a suffix that modifies a noun. Which means, listen, the concrete expression of a thing. Grace at work in my, the Holy Spirit working in my life has one job of transformation. And that is unleashing concrete expressions of the grace of God. Can I go even farther? The Holy Spirit has one job that is described in the chapter, write this down, I need this please, in transformation. And that is writing God's opinion on my heart, which is effectively charisma. I am, the Holy Spirit saying, I am putting and unleashing a concrete expression of grace in your life that only happens when the word of God is written on your heart. Enough about that. I said I wouldn't preach at every point. I'm really doing better than I thought I would do. I don't know how you think I'm doing, but um, actually I don't care because only God opinion matters most. All right, so here we go. Truth then, one we've looked at a thousand times. The recaptured state of unhiddenness where God's opinion crushes fear and deception. Read above for what fear and deception. So let me expand that a little bit. It is the recaptured state of unhiddenness where I step out. See, hiding is the result of deception and then fear. So unhiddenness, what that does, and read that in the New Testament uh, in particular, unhiddenness is where God's opinion crushes, watch this, the point at which I begin to listen to another opinion and the state of mind created by that opinion I listen to. I want to say that again because I just like saying it to myself, all right? Truth, then, is the recaptured state of unhiddenness where God's opinion crushes the state of my, excuse me, the point at which I begin to listen and entertain a different opinion and the state of mind created by that opinion of me. That is otherwise deception and fear. Beloved, 
It is here in God's Word. We are people of transformation. When you quit expecting to be transformed. Now see, there's a lot more thought that goes behind this movie. Let's go, well, great, then, you know, what version of me do I want to be? Because there's two sides to the coin. When they got into this game, they didn't know how to act because their other identity overwrote who they were. And you see that in Spencer as he's in uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock's body. You know, he's this big muscled up guy with no weaknesses, but he only thinks I'm weak. And then finally, when he begins to capture it, he says, I don't want to go back to the other thing. So there's, again, there's this two-sided coin here about a virtual reality. What is the reality? Beloved, the reality is God's opinion. I'm 61 years old. I make mention of that frequently, and I'm thrilled about it. I am not thrilled that I have spent the majority of those years entertaining the influence of every other opinion by circumstances in life, events, things said, things done by me, rather than God's opinion. I am committed above every other thing with whatever is left of my life to live a transformed life to accept God's opinion above any other opinion that may seek to have an opinion. Because if I do, I'll live in deception, I'll live in fear, and I'll hide from God. What would happen if we would dare to risk it all and say, I I only care about God's opinion and understanding what that opinion is of me? What would happen? I said to you for a couple weeks in a row, what would happen is I wouldn't be afraid to stand up and dance with my wife the next time we're on a cruise or someplace where they dance. And you say, oh, I thought you grew up in church. I don't even have time to explain all that weirdness, all right? There's nothing sinful about dancing. There's nothing sinful about dancing, period. There's nothing sinful, certainly, about dancing with your spouse if your spouse wants to dance. But you know how many times she said, hey, will you dance with me? Neither one of us can dance, but she somehow dances better than me whatever we do of dance. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, you can say, well, so that's what these sermons are all about, so you'll dance. No. Please. I'm telling you, in a, I, I just can't open my heart any other, any other way. What if you were to ask your spouse? Two weeks ago, I had you come down and pray for married couples. Say, I'm so sorry that I've accepted any opinion of you other than God's. I'm so sorry that I've advanced even my opinion that wasn't in agreement with God's. Uh, See, again, there's a thousand ways you can apply that. I get that because it can be abused. Does this resonate? Do Do you get it? Okay. And don't just say yes because you want to go to Cracker Barrel and you know I'll keep talking if you say no. Okay. Email me. Email me. Send me an email. Okay. We'll talk. If I can't write it and talk, we'll meet and talk because I have a brand new commitment before God in making disciples, not growing a church and hearing testimonies. All right, I'm done. Let's all stand up. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.